everybody, this is Jonathan Ogden, and you're listening to the What's Brewing Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for West Coast Bias. The show brought to you all the way from the best coast. It's the West Coast Bias, that is. Aw, yeah. And welcome to another episode of West Coast Bias. The first of 2024. Now you might be saying, isn't it March yet? No, actually I got it right under their nose there. If you're listening to this, this is uh, one half of the show. Um, A lot of solo podcasts um, since I moved to Arizona. But yeah, so West Coast Bias solo edition with Jamal. Of course, West Coast Bias is part of the uh, What's Brewing Network, along with all our other great shows. You have uh, the What's Brewing Symposium. Um, I was on there recently as a guest. If you listen to the uh, opening, I guess I'm no longer a co-host with Mike, Jake, and Bill. I guess I am now back to guest status. Boo hoo hoo. Um, uh, b- before the last episode, we discussed uh, the f- the goings and comings of uh, uh, Chip Kelly after God has seven or six years. Who knows? But yeah, so listen to that episode. Or the guy, or all four of us, Bill, myself, Jake, and Mike, spoke about Chip Kelly moving on and the hiring of Deshaun Foster. And also, there is the um, uh, the the Cal show where Jake and um, his daughter Megan, on uh, the bare minimum, discuss her life at Cal Berkeley, where I was, an, where I am an alum, a former student myself. Go Bears! Um, I'm sure they'll touch on what an exciting basketball season they've had, where they've gone from the depths of being one of the worst teams in all of college basketball to getting turned around thanks to the uh, Mike or Mark Madsen, um, as Jake corrected me in the thread. So those are a couple of shows. And, of course, recently we had a, a, a B-show appearance, uh, much like myself, has been on hiatus for different reasons. But, um, of course, with all the news with going on at UCLA with uh, Chip Kelly going out and Deshaun Foster being hired, there was uh, even a little blurb of the B-Show on the What's Brewing Network. But this is West Coast Bias, where I talk about I and Jake talk about LA sports. Yeah, mostly Dodgers, mostly Lakers. So um, just to help Jake out a little bit here, we're going to call this the In and Out Edition. No, we're not talking double-doubles animal style with, uh, with a side of fries and... Uh, Neapolitan milkshake. No, I'm talking about what's been going on in sports, especially in the new year um, in LA. We've had a lot of guys going coming in and a lot of guys going out, so this is why we're calling it the In and Out edition. First, let's start with the Dodgers. <clears throat> so, the last time you might have heard my voice um, recording a solo podcast, it was about uh, Shohei Otani um, signing with the Dodgers. Well, um, not too far after that, literally like a week after that, right before the new year. Um, no, excuse me, I jumped ahead. Almost a couple days after Otani signed, the Dodgers pulled off a trade for Tyler Glass now, the ace of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, to fill out um, the starting staff um, because, of course, Otani would not be pitching this season thanks to a second Tommy John surgery, so the Dodgers really didn't need another 
Um, Stafford, if you recall last year, the starting staff was decimated with injuries and they had to rely on a lot of rookies throughout the season and it kind of bit them in the butt um, in the postseason not being able to get anybody past the third inning in any of those NLDS starts in the uh, three-game losing sweep to the Arizona Diamondbacks. So they get Tyler Glass now and uh, Margot in a trade for Ryan Pepio, one of the um, highlights of last year in terms of the Dodgers staff, a young arm that they've tried to groom and who was helpful in uh, getting the Dodgers to the postseason, but ultimately he was um, um, you know, superfluous when you're trying to get an ace like Tyler Glasnow. So Tyler Glasnow, Manuel Margot in, and Ryan Pepio out. And then, of course, fast forward to today where the Dodgers actually, um, the Dodgers traded uh, uh, Manuel Margot. He looked like he was going to be part of a platoon, and then he ended up getting traded to uh, to Minnesota today. Um, with that, opened up a roster spot and immediately super utility man that the Dodgers traded for last year at the trade deadline. Uh, Kike Hernandez was brought back on a one-year contract, $4 million, um, you know, team-friendly contract, sent some money over to the Twins to help them out to uh, cover Manuel's, uh, Margot's um, remaining contract. So uh, even Manuel Margot, Dodger legend with the team for what seemingly a week of spring training and then send out, which is okay because the Dodgers were going to platoon him anyway. They can do that with at a lot more different positions with, uh, with, uh, Kike Hernandez. And he's got sort of a cult status with the Dodgers, um, in terms of how popular he is with the team. Some of the highlights, uh, not surprisingly, Kike Hernandez is, I believe, fifth all-time in Dodger postseason home runs. I think he's got double-digit home runs. He's had some big moments um, in his first stint. Of course, went to the Red Sox, had some big postseason moment in 2021, literally a year after winning World Series with the Dodgers. So a lot of changes um, and uh, with the Dodgers. So back to where where we were after that um, trade, literally a week later, the Dodgers were announcing that they had got uh, they had signed free agent from Japan, the 25 year old. Um, let me see, make sure I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Yamamoto um, Yoshinobu Yamamoto signed him for 12 years, 325 million dollars. Um, <clears throat> they had to pay a 51 million dollar posting fee, but they were able to sign him right after Christmas. And so now the Dodgers again added to their pitching staff. Tyler Glass now ace of the Rays. Yamamoto, who's considered, if not um, uh, certainly the best pitcher in Japan, but um, the best free agent pitcher on the market. Um, And certainly um, they were able to do that because, of course, um, Shohei Otani helped them out in uh, attracting him to the Dodgers. And so now they had another starter uh, among the among the staff. So um, I guess they they made some other moves. They got they signed Tioscar uh, Hernandez from the Blue Jays. Um, uh, you know another outfielder, a left fielder. Um, so it was thought that he would patrol left field. 
Uh, my, well, Margot would be on the right, but now it looks like Margot's out, so they can put Teoscar Hernandez on either corner outfield position, and of course, the platooning um, with somebody like Kike Hernandez or Chris Taylor, uh, both super utility guys. Um, the Dodgers did get another staffer in James Paxton right before February. One year, $11 million contract. It's one of those um, Andrew Friedman um, situations where uh, he's putting his faith in a guy who's struggled with injuries. Uh, Paxton had a pretty good uh, early last uh, last season with the Boston Red Sox. Um, had his ERA below three and then um, a recurrence of an injury, but he tried to pitch through it. And then his ERA was closer to 16 in September. Um, so we'll see if this pans out. Obviously, such a little um, signing, only a year, $11 million. That's really not a lot when it comes to uh, free agency. Uh, so the Dodgers hoping this works out and he can be like a fifth or sixth starter, or at least hold down the fort until, that's right, Clayton Kershaw resigned with the Dodgers. 17th year with the, <clears throat> the um, I believe it's a two-year contract with the second year being a player option. Um, so Kershaw not expected to start with the staff in April because of uh, shoulder surgery. Um, he says the end of the summer, which is more like the end of July, maybe early August. So that's who's been coming in and out for the Dodgers. Of course, catchers and, catchers, catchers and pitchers reported for duty last week. And in earnest, the um, spring training season started um, this past weekend with uh, full player rosters. Um, Shohei Otani is supposed to be making his spring training debut. Um, tomorrow, Tuesday, so I'm recording this on a Monday night, uh, Shohei Otani should be making his debut for the Dodgers, um, tomorrow, Tuesday, up in Glendale, Arizona, um, <clears throat> some things about Otani, it looks like he's gonna be ready for, um, the regular season, yes, he had the Tommy John surgery, he's not expected to pitch, so there's the Dodgers DH for the season, and it's looking like he will be ready, uh, to start the season. So, um, of course, you'll get more Dodger news um, from me, depending on how things go. Um, <clears throat> maybe not so, so much spring training news, of course, unless something big happens. But um, I'm really looking forward to this coming season, seeing how well they do. A friend of mine asked me, you know, how important is the regular season for the Dodgers? And really, it's like, well, we all know that you only need... 84 wins last year, but realistically, about 88 wins to get into the postseason, guaranteed. Um, and that's all the Dodgers really need. Um, so if anybody asks asks you what you expect from the Dodgers, tell them what I said. Call me in October, because that's really what this is about. Um, as wonderful a season as Glass now, Otani, Yamamoto, Kike can have, it's really about what they do in October. You know, if Tani wins the MVP, uh, somehow Glasnow wins the Cy Young, and Yamamoto's a Rookie of the Year, it really doesn't matter unless somebody collects a World Series MVP, in my opinion. So that's the in and out of the Dodgers. In and out of the Lakers, they didn't do anything at the trade day deadline, um, uh, despite the fact that they're pretty much been unable to get themselves out of the playing area. You know, they've been anywhere between 7th and 10th through 10th since winning the uh, in-season tournament uh, back in November. So uh, they didn't make any trade, trades. There wasn't anything there. The big story out of the trade deadline was that the uh, Warriors approached about LeBron 
Um, LeBron poop um, nixed that deal after speaking with the Lakers and speaking with the Warriors. He was not interested in going to the Warriors. Um, the other um, interesting tidbit from tread de- deadline is Daryl Morey, the GM or you know president of player personnel, called the Lakers about Anthony Davis and um, Palinka's response to uh, to that was is Joel Embiid. Uh, available so there you go so not much out of the deadline so will they <clears throat> since they didn't make any trades the dod the lakers decided that they were going to look at the buyout market and they decided to go with um spencer dinwiddie um the brooklyn Nets bought him out and so dinwiddie was available he had a couple of choices i believe he could have gone back to the mavs where he was um two years ago for sure Remember, if he was with the Mavs last year, he might have been with the Nets. But two years ago, for sure, when they went all the way to the Western Conference Final, um, Spencer Dinwiddie was part of that, um, winning a Game 7, defeating the uh, Phoenix Suns. Um, and so he, dis- uh, I believe he appeared at the Laker game. Uh, home- there was a home game, I believe, against the Rockets. He was st- uh, next to Palenka. And then the next day, he had signed with the Dodgers. I mean, excuse me, with the Lakers, um, and so then he was brought on. Uh, they did pretty well. The uh, the Lakers um, got one six of seven um, right before the All Star break. Um, they had had some big games, uh, especially on the road, beating the the Knicks and the Boston Celtics without both LeBron uh, James and without Anthony Davis. Um, somehow pulled those two games out. Well, I think Anthony Davis played the second game, the next game, but they were able to beat those two teams, which have been way better than the Lakers this season. Um, and like I said, they won 6-7 going into the All-Star game, and then right out of the All-Star game, I think they won, they've been, they've won one, lost one, won one, lost one. So it's been back and forth um, in terms of like winning games uh, or losing games. Um, so still mired in a little bit of mediocrity there. So... They don't kick it in high gear soon, then they'll be stuck in another playoff uh, play in um, session. Where um, unfortunately, right now they're ninth um, in the Western Conference, so they would host a play in game, but it make it very difficult for them to even come close to making the Western Conference Finals. So we'll see how that there that goes. But again, really nothing going on there except for the Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie signing. So that's your in and out for the Los Angeles Lakers. Moving on to football, um, the NFL specifically, um, the San Diego Chargers had a dismal season. I said San Diego, didn't I? Gosh darn it. The L.A. Chargers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're L.A., so they still count. Um, Jake will attest to having seen them at SoFi as the uh, home team. So anyway, um, <clears throat> they uh, they got, fired their coach, um, Staley in the middle of the season, um, had an interim coach, um, for the rest of the season, didn't do well, um, missed out on the playoff again. And so then they went out and got their guy, uh, John Harbaugh, damn it, not John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh is a coach of the Ravens, Jim Harbaugh, um, lured him away from winning a national championship with Michigan in college football and brought him out to San Diego. I think that's a great move for San Diego. But the real problem with the Chargers has always been ownership. The Spanos family have owned the Chargers forever. They're part of the reason why they're in L.A. and not San Diego because they could never come to an agreement in terms of uh, getting a new stadium built and basically decided to uh, first 
um, have a, a, a shared stadium in the Carson area with the Raiders, and then uh, the NFL owners didn't go with that and went with the Rams proposal. The Rams came um, came to L.A., and then after a year, the Chargers uh, decided to um, lease uh, SoFi Stadium and play there, call themselves the L.A. Chargers. Um, of course, they had to wait for SoFi to be built, so they were playing in the uh, uh, Dignity um, Health Park down in Carson where the L.A. Galaxy plays. So, um, <clears throat> you know, that's their little history coming to L.A., and and they've just they've struggled to find some consistency despite having uh, on paper what's a talented roster, and certainly under Staley, who went from the Rams' uh, defense coordinator to the Chargers' head coach. Um, they were really never able to do much and then when they finally got to playoffs they humiliated themselves by blowing a was it a 27-7 lead over the Jacksonville Jaguars um you know last year and then not even making the postseason this year so uh anything's better than that and obviously Jim Harbour's got, he's got the bona fides when it comes to coaching turning things around um when there's talent on the field he knows um uh, how to get success from his teams uh, the 49ers, he took them uh, back to the postseason and then to a Super Bowl and only lost um, barely to his brother John Harbaugh and the Ravens. Uh, let's see, after that he went to, um, well, after being with the 49ers, he went to Michigan, so we know how that turned out. Before that, he was at uh, Stanford, um, helping them um, become a successful program, boo, and uh, winning a Rose Bowl. So certainly a chance for him um, to continue to write his legacy by turning around the Chargers, or at least um, m- matching the results with the talent that they have on the field. So um, that's the in and out for the Chargers. With the Rams, uh, obviously there's going to be some personnel changes uh, as another season turns over. They did a great job of getting to the postseason. Nobody expected them to do that this year. It's exceeded expectations by winning 10 games, but then they lost in that opening um, playoff round to uh, the Detroit Lions, a game they probably should have won, um, a controversial call at the end, um, kept them from winning the game, but, um, um, they certainly improved this season and most, because of the, uh, uh, turnaround from decline to going up, up against, um, some of the best teams and, and doing well, um, I think the Rams will be a team to reckon next year. So, um, you know, I would imagine as the off season continues, we'll hear more about uh, different moves happening with the Rams. So that's uh, your in and out for uh, football. Of course, I can talk about college football. I mentioned it that it was discussed Chip Kelly leaving, Deshaun Foster coming on. Um, don't forget to um, listen to that um, when you can. The Once Bruins Symposium. So that's college football. Um, see you later, Chip Kelly. We um, hardly knew you. We hardly liked you. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, hockey. So, obviously, this is the part where Jake um, cuts off my mic. But in hockey, there was uh, a, a situation two weeks ago with the LA Kings. The LA Kings started off, I think, with the third best record in the NHL, set a record for consecutive road wins um, uh, to start the season, and then after that, just cratered. They started off 16-4-4, four, and four, and then I think they won something like five seven and seven just cratered went from close to the top of the division 
um, now fighting for a wild card spot in a really tough Western Conference. And so what they do, they get a win right before the All-Star break. So you think, okay, they'll take a break, they'll regroup um, and try to figure this out again. Well, they fired their coach. Yeah, they fired their coach. um, They fired Todd McClellan. Um, He had been with the the Kings since uh, 2000 and... uh, Sorry, I have it here, 2019, um, but they fired him uh, at the point where, um, you know, they were 23, 15, and 10, so if there were 16, 4, and 4, you do the math. Um, McClellan was part of the turnaround um, after winning a couple Stanley Cups, the Kings, and then sort of um, trying to rebuild on the fly, making a couple playoff spots, but not having uh, playoff shots, but not being successful. They bring in McClellan, it's a COVID year. Um, they're not doing too well, but the front office rebuilds on the fly and gets them into the postseason twice, but they lose in the first round to Edmonton two years in a row. Um, that's in 2021 and 2022, or sorry, 2022 and 2023. And then so many expectations this year for them to um, get over the hump and do better in the regular season so they could have home ice advantage for the postseason and maybe contend. They started off looking great, and it just all fell apart too fast. So Tom McClellan was fired. The last time the Kings fired their coach midseason, they won a Stanley Cup. That was all the way back in 2012 with Daryl Sutter. I don't think it's going to happen this year. There's no Jonathan Quick who can save him in the postseason. Um, They turned things around. Um, They just have an interim coach, Jim Hiller. Um, But um, they did turn things around. I believe they won... Uh, five of his first six games that he coached, including uh, winning some crucial games on the road against uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Boston Bruins. <clears throat> but we'll see. that A lot of the issues with the Kings who won have been injuries. Victor Arvidsson came back from uh, injury, was instrumental in helping them win three games in a row, and then he had to go right back on to long-term um, long-term, what do you call it, the LTIR injury report, the long-term injury report. Um, They still aren't really set at uh, the goalie. They've gotten some great performances, but neither uh, Cam Talbot, their starter at the beginning of the season, and then this guy, last name Riddich, who's been really instrumental in helping them lately and playing a lot more than um, than, uh, Cam Talbot, the guy who they thought initially was going to be the starter, but um, we'll see. They still are having trouble scoring. The hockey deadline, or I should say the NHL deadline, trade deadline hasn't passed yet, so there's still a chance for them to make a move. But we'll see if they have enough prospects or if they're willing to push in the chips to use their prospects or cap space in order to bring somebody who can really help them out, especially with scoring. I don't know where you're going to put them. I don't know who you're going to get because they went from scoring like three and a half goals a game to 2.1, which in this day and age when scoring is up in the NHL, that's not good. And that's been a lot of the reason why they've struggled. So despite the struggle with scoring, um, the chances of the Kings making the postseason still around 99% because they started so strong. There really, really isn't anybody, I mean, unless they really wilt and go on a catastrophic <clears throat> losing streak. Um, it doesn't look like anybody will catch up with them in their wild card spot, but also because of the tough division. I mean, Vancouver Canucks are really good. Edmonton's been really good. 
They just went on another. They just went on. A, they had an eleven game win streak this season. Um, so those are the teams in front of them. Vegas, of course, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. Um, so that's who they have to catch up with. It's going to be a struggle for them to do that again. But they're probably not going to lose their playoff spot. But that doesn't guarantee anything going into the postseason, especially when they continue to struggle with scoring goals. So in terms of in and out for the Kings, um, in Jim Hiller, the interim coach, out Todd McClellan, uh, who'd been with the team since 2019. Um, <clears throat> and I know Jake, again, will poo-poo this, but my illustrious producer, but look up uh, a goal by Quentin Byfield, the Kings' 21-year-old um, prospect who uh, was drafted at 19. Um, they tried to get him on the team instead of sending him in the minors, but then he had some injuries, and he really struggled last year. And the guy who they picked who was picked after him, um, looked way better than him, uh, a guy named Tim Stutzel for the Senators. But Byfield's been a re- re- revelation this year, and has looked really good. So look up Quentin Byfield goal <clears throat> against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Trust me, you're going to really like that one. So look that one up. So that's pretty much been <clears throat> what's happened since the Otani signing in terms of who's coming in, who's going out in L.A. sports. <laughs> Like I said, it's uh, Dodgers season's going to start soon, start at the end of March. We'll see how Shohei Otani looks as a prize free agent of all the baseball. We'll see how the starting staff rounds out with the additions of Glass now, Yamamoto. Again, my feeling is I think they'll be fine in the regular season. It's really about October. And of course, we'll see how these this Laker team can do. I mean, another playing game with... <clears throat> semi-healthy LeBron and a fully healthy Anthony Davis who's looked really good and has been the probably the most consistent he's been since that first season with the Lakers we'll see how they do we'll see if the Kings do get in the postseason like I predicted and we'll see if uh, they can actually do something or maybe pull off some upsets like they did the last time they fired their coach mid-season well, I'm not too optimistic about how that'll turn out, but when am I ever when it comes to LA teams and the postseason? But I uh, w- just wanted to make a reappearance. Uh, obviously, things are good and stable here in the desert for myself and my family, but I did want to touch on all these things that seemingly happened all at once in LA sports and then to get back on the saddle and be more consistent with going forward in terms of the news. So. Um, lots to talk about as always, uh, listen to the What's Bruin, um, network, the What's Bruin Symposium, the bare minimum, of course, West Coast Bias with your host here and, um, the occasional B team drop, but that's it for me today. It's kind of a short one, more of a recap. And then we'll, you know, when you hear me again next week, um, we'll talk, um, some news and all the things that are going on. So with that, as we always say here on West Coast Bias, we're the West Coast, we're the best coast, we're West Coast Bias. West Coast Bias. Dude, Rob, we place a ball on the West Coast.